Growth Igniters Radio, Episode 63, Three Trends in Happiness at Work in 2016. This episode is brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, enabling successful leaders and companies to accelerate to their next level of success. On the web at businessadvance.com. And now, here's Pam and Scott. Thanks, Chris. I'm Pam Harper, founding partner and CEO of Business Advancement Incorporated. And with me is my business partner and husband, Scott Harper. Hi, Scott. Hi, Pam. It's Great to be here with you again for yet another episode of Growth Igniters Radio. And if this is your first time listening, our purpose is to spark new insights, inspiration, and immediately useful ideas for visionary leaders to accelerate themselves and their companies to their next level of success. So Pam, what are we talking about today? A look at trends on happiness in the workplace in 2016. Okay. We're seeing some really exciting trends that more companies across every industry are increasingly focusing on happiness and how it impacts attracting and retaining top talent, innovation, and momentum for accelerating growth. Okay. This is happening in companies of every size across a whole wide range of industries. So that's the first trend. Well, that's right. And in fact, we just read a front page article on the Wall Street Journal. Uh, it says, Millennial employees confound Wall Street. To stem departures, big investment banks are tweaking their delayed gratification models. Well, so now you can look at that as a negative, but well, we yeah, see I, it as something a little different. I mean, the title does have a bit of a negative slant, but you know, there's good news if you read between the lines. You know, a few years ago, happiness in the workplace on Wall Street you know, wasn't being addressed in the Not same way. Not in the way. same way. Not no. in the same way. You know, they did incentives and, you know, perks and all that. But, you know, when companies like Goldman Sachs... You know, are are starting to re-examine decades-old workplace mm-hmm. practices. This this just really says something about profound changes in society, in the workplace, and how happiness is being factored more and more into. This is a top line and a bottom line thing. Absolutely, and so this is a huge issue. We see it as a good trend yeah. that it's optimistic, even if it's phrased in a, you know, this is a problem way. And of course, there's always going to be a continuation of this. So we'll be interested in looking at this next year to see where things are at. Well, that's right. A second trend that we're seeing is greater flexibility in how work is getting done and a much more individualized approach to shaping jobs that are giving more meaning and purpose to the work. You know, this is a very important thing. If people have impact on shaping their jobs and and making them fit their own style. It just gives them a sense of more control, more autonomy. And a lot of research has shown that that really has a profound impact on satisfaction and happiness. Focusing on roles and accountabilities as opposed to the tasks, how we get things done, the responsibilities. This is a very good trend. And we expect that we'll see much more of that. Mm-hmm. especially if, as we look at it next year. And, you know, a third trend that we're seeing uh, is a growing emphasis on collaboration and co-creation. It's been, you know, happening for a long time. We've had, you know, teams and, and so on. But the twist, I think, that's really interesting here yeah. is the partnering with stakeholders that are outside the formal organization. People may be saying, wait a moment, I thought you were talking about happiness. 
Well, that's right. But you know, if if I have as as a worker at any level, have an ability to have a real role in creating the work, working with other people, because relationships are a big part of happiness, and not just doing the work, but mm-hmm. shaping the work we do, that does create happiness, it creates engagement, it creates commitment. And Again, big impacts on top and bottom line, Mm -hmm. speed, momentum, it's all there. So if we know that happiness is so important for companies to be successful, what makes happiness so difficult? Ah, that's the question. We, well, we use the word happiness an awful lot. I went to the dictionary and I saw that it's associated with joy and contentment and well-being. Okay. So you can see that these things are really pretty subjective. I mean, what is joyful to me may not be joyful to you. Yeah. And uh, to a certain extent, these kinds of uh, situations are defined by society and right. trends right. and culture, right. which is constantly shifting. So it brings up a paradox, which is the need for happiness is universal. Sure. But each person's journey to happiness is completely unique. Well, that's right. So you have a universal thing that's not universal at all in some ways. And that's why you know parties and, and perks of various types, free food, you know, they could make some people at some companies mm-hmm. happy. Sure. Right. But other people go, eh, so what? You know, not happy at all about that. Exactly. It's There's, as individual as the person, which is a real dilemma. Yeah. You know, how? Do, so what do you do about this? Yeah, if you're a leader trained to increase happiness, what levers can you pull? Well, you can't pull any levers. Ah. That's, that's for sure. But there are some factors that we've seen that make a huge difference okay. for almost everybody. And that's how people perceive relationships in the workplace and also their sense of personal control. Well, yeah. And for as long as I've ever been doing this work, I will say that when people have left their jobs or they've been looking for a new one, mm-hmm. more often than not, people would tell me it was about the relationship or something that had to do with their sense of personal control. Mm-hmm. So for example, a while back, one of our clients was uh, being acquired by another company and everyone in that company was going to lose their jobs when the company closed its doors. Mm-hmm was a very interesting uh, challenge for the leadership, which, of course, needed a very smooth transition. Mm-hmm. And they had to make some go big or go home kind of decisions about how they were going to keep people in place. They didn't know exactly when the doors were going to close. Yeah, but they it wasn't immediate. Yeah. It wasn't immediate. And what they decided to do was to address head on the fact that people were going to have to deal with a lot of uncertainty, but in return for that uncertainty, because they wanted them to stay, they gave them a chance to process some of what was going on. Mm -hmm. And we worked with them to go throughout the company in multiple ways to help these people at different levels to process what was happening and reframe the situation so that they could make some new decisions about how they were going to personally move forward, each and every person, which was over 100 people. Yeah, and that gets back to the uh, sense of autonomy and some control, even though I'm going to lose my job, at least I'm starting to get some control over this process. Well, the company didn't close their doors in that location for nine months, and they only lost one person during that time. So everybody stayed on. We're talking like a hundred people. 
Wow. And so, big impact. A big impact. And the level of productivity and the performance mm -hmm. of the people at that location was very high. So involving people, giving them some control, increasing happiness, even in a difficult situation, has a huge impact. Right. So we're not talking about people going around with grins on their faces, yeah. but we are talking about a certain amount of centeredness and a certain level of contentment that mm -hmm. things are going to be okay. So these kinds of things happen and can happen regardless of what the latest trends are. Sure. In fact, about a year ago, we spoke with our friend Gail Lance about some more universal factors that influence happiness at work and what leaders and individuals can do to increase their happiness no matter what the situation was. Sure. And we thought it would be appropriate to bring back a portion of that conversation, which was in episode eight. Mm -hmm. So she could talk again to all of us about some things that I think are very important. Now, Gail is founder of Work Matters Incorporated. As I said, she's a leadership expert who helps executives, teams, and organizations improve performance. She's also author of the book, Take the Bull by the Horns, and co-author of a best-selling book on Amazon called The Happiness Recipe. Her articles and insights have been featured in a variety of major media and business publications, including Harvard Management Update, Business Week, Wall Street Journal Online, and FastCompany.com. So let's take a break for a moment, and then we'll pick up with excerpts from our conversation with Gail Lance about the roots of happiness and how to tap into sources of happiness for a richer life at work and the world at large. Stay with us. You are listening to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper, brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated, on the web at businessadvance.com. Pam, some of our listeners have told us that they want to review our podcast series on iTunes, but aren't quite sure how to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, we appreciate the feedback, and we want everybody who listens to raise our profile by spreading the word through iTunes reviews so more people can find us. Yes, yes. Yes, indeed. And that's why I've created a short tutorial video that removes the mystery from this process. So, listeners, go to growthignitersradio.com. Look over at the sidebar to the right. And you'll see a headline, subscribe to Growth Igniters Radio, a little bit down the page. Click on the link under that headline that says how to review Growth Igniters Radio on iTunes. That will open a page. You can play the video, spells out everything you need to know about reviewing our podcast in just 84 seconds. Review us today, and thanks for your support. Yes, thanks. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. We're talking with Gail Lance, founder of Work Matters, about workplace happiness and why it has such an important impact on business success. Gail, how can people find you? Well, the best way to find me is, is simply going to the website workmatters.com. Okay. And it's filled with all kinds of resources. So great website. So let's get to the heart of the issue here. Why aren't more people happy at work? There are plenty of companies, as we said, they give parties, they offer good salaries, they offer all kinds of perks, and all in the interest of making people happy, and it's well-intentioned. And yet people can still be unhappy, even under these conditions. That's right. I 
I think some people are just unhappy anywhere. So you have to kind of rule out the few that probably have made up their mind that that's just how they're going to be, regardless of the situation. So in a way, it sounds like you're saying that for some people, it's it's their internal thermostat, in a sense. Is that right? I think it is. There are some people, I think, who are a little more naturally wired to be optimistic. You, you have to really be cautious about getting people into your workplace who really don't have that spirit and the attitude that you're looking for, because that can permeate the rest of the organization, affect the culture. So I think you have a mix of different kinds of people in the workplace, and you do have to just pay attention to, to the natural attitude, to, to how they're wired is how I like to so you're, you're looking for the glass half full people as opposed to the glass half empty people. Yes, for, for their own sake, because they'll typically uh, rise to the occasion and, and mm-hmm. perform well, but they can also be such a positive influence across the organization. Okay, well, what about people who, who do see the glass of, as you know, kind of half empty? What can you do or what can leaders do? What can the individual do? If they have that propensity or if they feel stressed or uncertain, they're not satisfied. I mean, are we just saying, yeah, no hope? Oh, not not necessarily. I think one of the best things that you can do is to try to bring them into the conversation and to talk openly about the issues. A lot of times I see people or leaders in particular who really don't want to or don't know how to address the negativity. They just kind of hope it will go away. You know, can't we just kind of shuffle it under the rug or they'll wait another week because things are so busy right now, they'll focus on it later. So I think one of the best things that you can do is is address it head on. Don't let it fester because it will become more poisonous the longer you let that kind of attitude permeate the organization. Uh, I do a lot of one-on-one executive coaching. And so uh, one executive who was dealing with a, a difficult person was able to have a heart-to-heart conversation and identify exactly what it was that uh, was creating some of the stress and negativity in the office. It, for one thing, they, they stated it as a behavior that they noticed, which is a, a good tip right. for leaders. You always want to talk about the behavior, not the person. Um, and once the leader pointed that out, the other person opened up and started explaining why they felt that way. So anytime you can have a person articulate what's going on in their mind, understand how they're thinking, you have a better shot as a leader at being able to impact them in a positive way. So they were essentially able to air a lot of the information out in the open, uh, wrapping it around the intent of wanting the best for everyone involved is another theme that I often preach to clients uh-huh. that I'm working with. Mm-hmm. Some of these some of these conversations are so sensitive and, and leaders are afraid to, to get into that territory. But if you lead the conversation in a way that says, hey, I just want to make sure that we're focused on what's best for everyone involved here, for you, for us, let's talk about some issues so that we can work together on helping us get where we need to be. That way, it's, it, it's pulling them in as a team as opposed right. to, I can't handle your attitude. Sure. You know, it's interesting that sometimes... We think as leaders, we know what the answer is going to be. I mean, you're talking about opening up. And every once in a while, I've seen leaders be very surprised by the response. I remember one time when leaders were particularly mystified by something that was going on in uh, this one company, and they couldn't understand why people were so upset, so upset. They thought they knew what was happening. And it turned out that when they started talking, as you're describing, that 
the people were actually seeing things happening that were going on because the company was growing. People misinterpreted, thought that the company was going out of business because they could not figure out what was happening. And the leaders were absolutely dumbfounded. How could this possibly be that that they would think that? And yet that happens a lot. You know, we think we know what somebody thinks and then we have to hear what they tell us in order to really get behind it and address it effectively. That's right. There's there's a lot of room for misinterpretation. Yeah. So being aware of behaviors that might signal unhappiness, being empathetic and asking the question in a non in a neutral non-judgmental way can really free up that information and give you some options. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. And another radical thought is to view it as an opportunity. When you see those signals, instead of thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to have this difficult confrontation to think this is an opportunity where I'm going to learn something and I will actually be able to help someone Mm -hmm. that that can actually help the overall business. So viewing it as an opportunity to help is a a paradigm shift for many leaders that are stressed about having to confront a difficult situation. But so important. And I think the other thing, and this goes back to your whole basic belief about work matters that I I love, Uh, you talk about how people view their work as maybe the beginning of of thinking about how to get out of the unhappiness. Yes, I think that especially younger generations are committed to doing work that has meaning to them compared to some other generations generations that see work as work. It's just something that you do, and then you get paid for it, and then you go home. Uh, Mm -hmm. More and more people, uh, it just happens to be more common, I think, in some of the younger generations, but it's it's even uh, sometimes as you are approaching your later years, though, in your career, you decide, I want to do something that has more meaning and purpose. And they see the value in doing that. And they're more willing to make changes. They're more willing to, to stand up for what they believe in, and move in a direction that makes sense simply because they're they're committed to uh, aligning themselves with that that sense of meaning and purpose. Good points. Well, so it sounds like what we're saying is that it's really important to understand what's behind the unhappiness in the workplace. Before you can really address it, you have to understand some of these things can be very surprising and we can't make assumptions about them. But there are actually things that we can do, and that's what we're going to talk about in the next segment. So we're going to take a quick break right now, and when we come back, we'll speak more with Gail Lance, founder of Work Matters, about some concrete things that you can do to increase happiness in the workplace now. Stay with us. You are listening to Growth Igniter's Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Brought to you by Business Advancement Incorporated on the web at businessadvance.com. So Pam, as we're talking about happiness, one of the constants we observe is how important open, authentic conversations are to happiness and satisfaction at work and to life in general. But the thing is that sometimes the conversations that really need to happen just don't. They don't happen for a variety of reasons. That's right. You and I speak about this often, and we've also written a Harper report titled How to Take Control of the Elephants in the Room. That's right. We talk about how to spot those elephants at a much earlier stage. And we give you steps to create the conversations that are critical to get back on track and accelerate momentum. So go to growthignitersradio.com, 
select episode 63, and request your complimentary copy of How to Take Control of the Elephants in the Room today. Welcome back to Growth Igniters Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Over the last two segments, we've been talking with Gail Lance, founder of Work Matters Incorporated, about the top and bottom line impact that happiness has on company performance. And also we've been talking in the last segment about the need to understand why people aren't happier before you just go out and do something. Now we're ready to talk about the three steps to increase happiness in the workplace. But before we do, Gail, how can people find you and your books? They can find me at workmatters.com. And there you'll find links to different resources on the site. So I think that's just the best place to go is workmatters.com. Okay. So now that we've been talking about some of the background about happiness, the need for it and all of that, let's talk about what we can actually do about it so that the listeners, when they get off, all of you who get off are going to be able to do something. And I want to clarify that the steps that you're going to be talking about, Gail, could apply to anybody at any level of a company, correct? Could be That's a board right. member, CEO, executive. Yes. Okay. General, so let's yes, general tips, suggestions. <laughs> okay. So let's go. What's the first step? Um, the first step is to play to your natural strengths and interests. So many times I'm working with individuals at any level and they may not have clarity about what they do well. You know, if I were to say, what are the three things that you do really well, better than everyone else? Go off the top of your head. Would Mm. you be able to answer that question? A lot of people can't. They'll tell me, oh, Uh well, here's what I have to do in my job. And they'll regurgitate a job description. But they're not well versed on articulating who it is that they are, what they really enjoy doing, and what some of their core strengths are. So being able to be aware of what your strengths are so that you can leverage them is one of the first steps. And there are lots of ways to go about gaining more insight about your strengths that, that we can discuss. Okay, let's one discuss might, it. Okay, I was going to say, one of which <laughs> might be to uh, take some assessments. There are all kinds okay. of online assessments, um, anything from uh, Myers-Briggs, Strengths Finders, um, mm-hmm. DISC. There, there are lots of different popular tools out there. And the whole purpose of engaging with those kinds of tools or assessments is to help you validate or confirm that there's some key things about yourself that stand out and to, to give you some clues about ways in which you can leverage those gifts. Another way to, get, to know what your strengths are is simply to have deliberate conversations with people in your network to get feedback from them and yes, to say, like you know, that. I've been thinking about how I'm going about my work or thinking about next steps. Mm-hmm. Tell me how you see my work or how you view me. And your close friends and colleagues would be glad to give you feedback to help you gain more clarity around that. Mm-hmm. There are often patterns in our life that we don't see. And so one of the exercises that I often have clients go through is to talk about experiences, experiences, very specific stories when they have accomplished something that they're proud of, or where they felt like they've really been in the moment to dissect Mm -hmm. those experiences, so that they can then draw out those themes and patterns to, to give them more clarity so that they can take that into account in their thinking process. I like what you're saying, Gail, and I think that the idea to use maybe a combination of these things uh, sounds like a wonderful way to really get a balanced perspective. Oh, I think so. I think the assessments are simply a tool in the process, and 
Mm-hmm. Note that they can be misused too, depending on where you get them or oh, how yes. they're being administered. But right. they're simply a tool. They're just one tool, but there are lots of different ways. The whole point, though, is to take some time. It usually does take at least a little thinking time apart from the job to mm-hmm. reflect on when you've been at your best and to understand why is that? What are the, the what are the themes? What are the skills? What what was it in that experience that stands out that uh, is is helping me gain more insight about myself? Okay, well that sounds good. So uh, anything else on this, or are we ready to go on to the second key? Yeah, second step is to to keep your focus on what you can control and influence. I can't tell you how many people I meet with, and a lot of our conversation is about what they worry about, mm-hmm. and it might look like this. Well. I don't know if I, if I am still in this position a year from now and I haven't been promoted or I'm not at the next level, I'm not sure what I will do, or I'm not sure if there are yes. changes happening, I can't control them, or, or there's just a lot of uncertainty that's reflected and people are so mm-hmm. focused on what they don't know about and they don't have control over. I agree So the more with you can focus on what you can do, how you can respond... Uh, the better outcome you'll get. It just doesn't serve any purpose to continue to worry about those things. If you flip the focus to what you really want to do and make happen and have a clear vision, then you can actually accelerate your progress toward whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. I was just going to to add on to that, that one of the most common examples I hear are, are people who can't control other people. You know, that you can, you can talk to some people, you can, yeah, you can try to influence, but at at the end of the day, there are some people who will just be who they are. Mm -hmm. And so you, you have to get to a point where you either accept that or you decide how you will deal with it so that you can accomplish, again, what's most important to you, but stay focused on those things that you can control and influence. And a lot of times that other people are beyond what you can influence. That's true. But if we take accountability for our own happiness outside of those people, whoever those people are, there there are things that we can focus on and do no matter how much or how little control we have, right? That's, that's what you're right. saying? And that starts okay. with the decision. Yes, that starts with the decision, the commitment to be happy. And okay. I know it's not as, as easy as it sounds, but that's certainly a starting point is recognizing if you're not in that place where you want to be and saying, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm making a decision that this is something that I'm either working toward or that I'm claiming now and that uh, you won't settle for anything less. And if you have a personal vision, as you say, this is this is what I want to do with my life. This is what satisfies me. How can I get more of that? Right. It should actually become easier or less arduous mm-hmm. because you're right. moving towards something that makes sense to you, that you want to see happen. So it kind of makes a lot of the other stuff in the periphery fall away that's been bothering you or eating up a lot of your brain power. Okay. What's that third key? The third key is to make small improvements over time. It's hard to make a radical shift overnight if you're trying to affect major change in your life Mm -hmm. or your work. So deciding what those specific small steps would be, for example, if, if you're in a position and you would like to move into a higher level, you can say, okay, for now I'm going to work on a specific skill. Maybe it's public speaking. Maybe it's team building. Uh, Maybe it's strategic thinking. But to say, I'm just going to focus on strengthening that skill because I know that that will help me achieve what I want in the long run. But to go about it as a process instead of having an expectation that things will change overnight is, is really a key 
to success. You know, anything that's um, ever worth getting takes some time and, and persistence. So breaking it into smaller pieces so that you have a sense of, accomplish, of an accomplishment along the way will be critical. I, I would agree with you. You know, one of the things that, that you've launched that's so clever is uh, My Daily Coach. Can you tell people about that? Because it applies to some of what we're talking about. Right. I produced that, uh, that new app called My Daily Coach, which is a very simple thought or question of the day to just provoke good thinking. It's designed for leaders and managers who want to be more deliberate about how they're going about their work and their life. So yes, that's, that's a perfect example of something Taking control. very small. <laughs> yes, Absolutely. to me, it, it's all goes back to take the bull by the horns, take control, that's right. you can do that's it. That's right, that's but, right. But and it's free. small steps. And it's oh, free. Oh yes, that, that is free. free. Uh, anyway, believe it or not, our time is ending here. And I just wanted to ask you, do you have any last thought for now? Well, I think my last thought would be to to view this, as I said, as a process, but, but to know that it's okay if, if you're not sustaining happiness all the time. So I think it is good to have as a goal, but to not be too hard on yourself if you feel like you're going through some periods where things are just difficult. And to, to view those as stepping stones, as growth opportunities will help you in the bigger picture. So I hope that anyone listening to this would continue to have the motivation to keep moving forward and not be concerned if they fall into some some gaps every now and then or some slumps because that's just part of being human. Well, Gail, thank you again for being our guest and we definitely will have you me. come back. Thanks for listening to Growth Ignitus Radio with Pam Harper and Scott Harper. Until next time, this is Pam Harper and Scott Harper wishing you continued success and leaving you with this question to discuss. What's one thing you can do that could increase happiness at work for yourself and others? All Growth Igniters Radio episodes are copyrighted productions of Business Advancement Incorporated, intended for the private use of our audience. Except as otherwise provided by copyright law, all other uses, including copying, editing, redistribution, and publication without prior written consent of Business Advancement Incorporated, are prohibited. All rights reserved.